you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 is where we will be this morning, continuing our walk through the first letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. And last week, we talked about the message of the cross, what that was, what that looked like, what that was about. We saw how the message of the cross created a true dividing line between those who are saved and those who are perishing. And and for us, we're on one side of that line or the other. There is no other option. You are either saved or you are perishing. For those who are saved, they understood the message of the cross. They understood the value of the message and they responded faithfully to that message but the perishing did not though the message was simple the the perishing saw it as foolish it's foolish to them that god would send his son to sacrifice his life for his rebellious children it's foolish to believe in such a thing when we have clear evidence of real truth even though the real truth that our world speaks of is not always verifiable, right? How foolish to believe in a God that created everything when clearly we've got science that tells us otherwise. Now, I believe personally that true science reveals how God created things into being. I think it's a revelation of God and what he's done, but I'm not getting on that soapbox. If you want to see that soap, hear that soapbox, you got to listen to the sermon from last week. But just getting us caught up on what the scripture revealed to us at the end of chapter one last week and this message of the cross and how important it was. And, and as we progress through, he, through our letter that Paul has written to the church at Corinth, we now enter a time where we are not talking necessarily about the message of the cross, but who are the messengers of the cross. If you've been around long enough, you've heard me quote several passages of Scripture that talks about evangelism, about proclaiming the gospel. And I want to remind you of those passages today. And the obvious first one is Matthew 28, 19 through 20, we call the Great Commission. In Matthew 28, 19 through 20, it says this, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You go to Mark 16, 15, and Mark is one of those books that is kind of a condensed cliff note version of Matthew and Luke, if you will, to a degree. And so while it's a shorter version of the Great Commission, it's still part of it. Mark 16, 15 Jesus spoke and he said to them, God, I'm sorry, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Now, just before Jesus ascended into heaven, he spoke to those who would be his apostles in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And he said these words, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You will get to be my witness in your homeland, in your home country. You're going to be my witness in the places you don't want to go, and you will go to the ends of the earth, is what Jesus is saying. And this commission to go make disciples, to proclaim the gospel, was passed down to his disciples and apostles 
And as the early church was formed in Acts chapter 2, that commission was then passed down from the apostles to the church. And now we as the church of Jesus Christ are now the messengers of the message of the cross. We are called by God to tell others about this gospel. And Paul would use this section of scripture to be an example for the believers in Corinth. To be an example of what it means to proclaim the message of the cross. Understand we are called to proclaim the gospel. In the context of the church at Corinth, as far as the community around them, there was not many believers. There were Jews, there were the Greeks, and then there were the Christians. You had the Jewish people that rejected this idea of a, of a Savior, that Jesus was the Savior, that, that He was the Messiah. They, they said, no, no, that's not Him. That's a false narrative. And they did not hold on to it. They held on to their rituals but then you had this other group who followed Greek philosophers and they followed the teachings of these great Greek philosophers. They, cha they chased the knowledge and the wisdom that they had. And so this message of the cross in the context of their time was not a popular message. It was not something people were flocking to, to enjoy. In fact, it was the opposite that was happening. You're foolish to believe such a message. You're just weak because you don't understand truth. That was the message given to the Christians by the world. But Paul says, no, that's the opposite of what is true. And we're going to reveal that to you now. By Paul's example. And we're going to pray that God would reveal his word to us and convict us to be messengers of the cross. So let's go ahead and read 1 Corinthians chapter 2 starting in verse 1 and reading to verse 5. Verse 1, Paul writes, And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my message were not, plausible, were not in plausible words of wisdom, but a demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we give you the praise and the glory for the worship that we have had this morning. We thank you that your Holy Spirit is flowing within our hearts this morning. And so God, I pray that, that as we dive into your word, that it would just be a continuation of what already has been said and what has already been sung God, what has already been felt in our hearts from the Holy Spirit, I pray that your Spirit would move in us, speak to us, give us the conviction and the wisdom and understanding that we need. But more importantly, God, it would encourage us to go out these doors and to be messengers of the cross. God, we thank you for that cross. We thank you for what that means for each believer. And I pray for those that might be lost in here today, that they would understand and they would see the value of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. God, we love you. We praise you. May you speak to our hearts now. And may we be open to receive it. It's in your son's holy name that I pray. Amen. The first thing we see to be messengers of the cross, the first thing 
that I want us to see today is that we must proclaim the testimony. We must proclaim the testimony. Verse 1. Verse 1 says, And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. So understand, Paul has, has been with the brothers and sisters in the faith there at Corinth. He has been with the church at Corinth. And he has proclaimed the testimony, but what did he not do with the testimony of God? He says, I didn't come to proclaim to you with lofty speech or wisdom. See, in those days, when it comes to the Greek philosophy and the philosophers of the day, it was about who was the smartest and the wisest of those around them. To be a great philosopher, you had to be able to communicate with wisdom and knowledge to the point that it was magnificent. The philosophers in those days knew how to sound smart. They knew how to sound convincing in a manner that someone would look at it and hear their message think, Wow, they are very smart. That's the person I need to follow. That was the, that was the uh, uh, purpose of a philosopher. That was, the, that was the way they went about their teachings. And many people fell into it. Many people gave into their message because it sounded good. Because it was filled with lofty speech. Even today, though, there are many pastors that are going to stand behind pulpits and And they want to sound eloquent and sophisticated and smart. They want people to think that they're the wisest person in the room. So they speak with words that probably they don't use in very much all conversations. And I thank God every day that I don't know a whole lot of big words. I throw one out. It may have been on accident. Because I am not that sophisticated with my words. And a lot of you know that. And I think it's to my advantage. But there are some pastors that speak with words that sound good to the ear. I like what that pastor has to say. I like his words and his phrases. That sounds relevant. That sounds cool. That sounds like something I would want. But when you get to the heart of the message, it's empty or at best shallow. Nothing about the message of the cross was proclaimed. Only a proclamation of self. And understand that this is not what a pastor is called to do, nor any believer who's called to share the gospel. We are not in proclamation of self. We are to proclaim the testimony of God. And understand, it does not require eloquence or lofty speech. You don't have to sound like the smartest person in the room. You are to proclaim the testimony about God, and that's it. Which means you leave the rest of it to God. The only thing you need to know is the testimony of God. And if you're a believer, you should know it because it's the testimony of God that saved you. But maybe you're unsure. Maybe you don't know the testimony. What is it? Well, first, understand God made you in his image. He is your creator. And you were born with a sin nature. God didn't give you that sin nature. It was given to you by your parents. With each child that comes into the world, the sin nature is passed down to that child. Right? And so each newborn, each child is given this sin nature. Because your parents are sinners, you are going to be born a sinner. And the Bible tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And that's a problem because what has happened? That sin has created a barrier between us and God. 
Because of our sin, we can no longer be in relationship with our Father. We can no longer be connected to the Father and and understand we were designed to reflect that image. We were designed to bring glory to God, but our sin is not going to allow it. Therefore, we are outside of God's will. Therefore, we are bound for hell. And hell is a place created for the rebellious. It's a real place. Satan and his demons will reside there one day along with all who choose to live their own lives, those who choose to follow for themselves. We are bound for hell because we are sinners and we are deserving of the punishment. We are deserving of the eternal punishment because we have rebelled against our Creator God. But God in His love and His mercy today was willing to send His one and only Son, Jesus, To be the sacrifice for our sins. See before this time. Mankind had to give sacrifice. Either whether whether it was by animals or crops. They had to give a sacrifice. To put them in good standing with God. And they had to do this repetitively. It had to be on repeat. All the time. But the problem is it was never enough. There was not enough good deeds. Not enough good, good sacrifice. To keep us in good standing with God. And so God had already planned that he would send his one and only son, Jesus, to be the once and for all sacrifice for mankind. Jesus Christ, hanging on a cross, took your sin upon himself and died for us. Gave up his spirit for you and I. But he did not stay dead. He rose from the dead. He rose from the grave to defeat that penalty of sin. And now today we have a chance at salvation. We have a chance to be saved from the path of hell and be given new life that leads us back to God. We can overcome our sin, but only through the sacrifice of Jesus and all He asks us to do. Listen, this is Scripture. The only thing He asks us to do is to believe in the resurrection and submit to His authority. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, submit to that authority. And believe in your heart God raised from the dead. The Bible says you will be saved. If you're willing to do this, the Bible says you will be saved. And this is the testimony of God. This is what he did for you and I. And this is the testimony that we proclaim to a lost and dying world. But as you go out into this world and you proclaim the testimony, I want you to remember one key point. And this is the second thing. Point everything to the cross. Point everything to the cross. Look at verse 2. Verse 2, Paul says, For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Understand, Paul's not saying that he decided to be ignorant of everything in life. He's not saying that he doesn't understand the worldviews. He's not saying that I'm just ignorant and I choose not to listen and learn. No, he's saying, I choose to point everything that I teach and proclaim to the cross. I decide that everything I teach and proclaim, I'm pointing it to the cross. Remember what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 22 and 23 says, For Jews demand signs. Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. Paul, 
decided to live a life that was gospel-centered. No matter where the conversations took him, he always found a way to point it to the cross. And this is something we have to do, church. This is something we've got to do, but sadly, we miserably fail at doing this. We don't have a problem with talking. We can talk about a lot of things. Let me ask you about your children or your grandchildren. I'll get you talking fast, right? You don't mind bragging on your children and your grandchildren. You don't mind bragging on those things. You don't mind talking about your job, your hobbies. We can do a lot of talking about hunting and doing food plots and explaining our strategies that we're going to get for our next big kill. We can talk about sports. We can talk about our favorite teams. We can talk about a lot of things. But for some reason, even as believers, we can't talk about the cross. We can't figure out how to interject the message of the cross into everyday life. Church, that's a problem. Considering that the message of the cross is what gives you eternal life. The loving, sacrificial act of Christ is what saved you. Not your favorite teams, not your favorite hobbies, not your kids or grandkids. Nothing saves us but the loving, sacrificial act of Jesus. And we should be indebted to that message to proclaim it wherever we go. If we cannot point back to the cross in our everyday life, if we cannot point back to the cross in everyday conversation, church, what do we truly believe about it? What do we truly believe about the cross if we cannot talk about it in our everyday conversations? Paul saw the importance of the cross in the testimony of God. Do you see it? I think one reason, though, that we don't do well at communicating the message of the cross is because we see our weakness as a hindrance. We see a weakness in our lives, and that holds us back from sharing the gospel. It holds us back from sharing the message. We think we're incapable of communicating the testimony of God, pointing people to the cross in a manner that would be pleasing to God and save lives. But what did we see last week, and what are we seeing today? That there is power in weakness. There is power in weakness. Look at verses 3 through 5. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. This is just an extension of what Paul said in the last chapter of chapter 1. Paul said, God chose what was foolish in the world to shame the wise. He chose what was weak to shame the strong. And now Paul is backing up that statement by saying, I'm an example of it. When I came to you, you may have saw me as this well put together speaker. You may have saw me as this confident church planner. But church at Corinth, Paul says, I was weak. I was scared. And I was trembling. He said, I came to you with weakness and fear and trembling. 
And the thing is, we need to understand is that God is greatly displayed in our lives when we are in our weakness. D.A. Carson wrote a great book on leadership in, in 1 Corinthians. And one of the things he said is this. As long as people are impressed by your powerful personality and impressive gifts, there is very little room for you to impress them with the crucified Savior. What does he mean? To proclaim the message of the cross, there is no room to inflate your ego. There's no room to show off your intellect and your wisdom. In the same way, if you're fearful... If you're fearful that you don't have the right words, you're concerned that you're not going to say the right things, listen, that's okay. Because it's not about what we can offer to the conversation. It's not about what we can give into the conversation. Paul said that his message was not in plausible words of wisdom. He said, my message is not about the words I can give you. The message that Paul proclaimed, as he says, was a demonstration of the Holy Spirit And the power that comes from the messenger of the cross as a messenger of the cross. Your job is not to come up with the latest, latest and catchiest phrases. Sometimes I think this is a problem with a lot of pastors. They try to come up with new things and the shock and all and trying to catch attention and say something no one's ever said before. But I know there's nothing new under the sun and the gospel message is still the gospel message as it was in the days of Paul. It's the same message as it is today. What any messenger of the cross, whether you're a pastor or a deacon, a teacher, or a lay person, all you should be doing is allowing the power of the Holy Spirit to speak for you. And this is so crucial. In fact, it's so crucial that you do this, that the remaining of chapter 2, which we'll, Lord willing, read about next week, Paul talks about it. He spends the rest of chapter 2 talking about the Holy Spirit and the wisdom that comes from it. Understand, salvation is not based on the wisdom of man. Listen, anyone that comes to salvation while I'm preaching, it ain't because of me. I'm a flawed human being. I am a sinner. I cannot save anybody. All I can do is through the power of the Holy Spirit, Point people to God and trust in the Holy Spirit to save the lost. You as a messenger of God, believer, should do the same. The power of the Holy Spirit comes out of our weakness. When you gained faith, when you became a believer, you didn't put your faith in man. Who would you put your faith in? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. Trust in the same God that filled you with power, who gave you the Spirit in your salvation. Trust in that God to be your voice and to save those around you. But in order to do that, we must empty ourselves of pride and vain ambitions. And we must rest in the Holy Spirit who lives within every believer. But maybe you're here today and you've realized by hearing the message of the cross that 
Pastor, I'm not saved. I haven't believed. I haven't submitted to Christ. I've never truly given my life to the Lord. Well, understand that without salvation, there is no Holy Spirit. Without salvation, there is no glorifying God and living life to your fullest potentials that God created you to live. Maybe you realize today that if you died that you would perish in hell for all of eternity. But understand, you're here today. God brought you into this sanctuary today, which is an act of His grace and His mercy because you have heard the gospel message and now He is calling you through the Holy Spirit to be saved. So if that Holy Spirit is calling on you today, will you come forward and make that commitment to follow Him? Will you believe in the resurrection and submit to Jesus today? Maybe you are in here, though, you are already a Christian. You say, Pastor, I am a believer. But maybe you haven't been the messenger that God's called you to be. Maybe you've been silent when it comes to sharing your faith. Maybe you've been silent when it comes to speaking about the cross and Christ crucified. You've been plenty of talkative on every other subject in your life. But when it came to your faith, you were quiet. If this is you, if you recognize this in your life today, I'm going to call on you to repent. Listen, we've got this altar up here. And it's an opportunity for you to come if you're able. You can bow or you can simply just bow your head. You come before the Lord and you repent and you seek forgiveness. God, I haven't been faithfully sharing your message that you've given me to share. So God, I'm going to repent of that today. Maybe that's you. Maybe you come forward and do that today. Will you come and repent and seek God's forgiveness? Maybe you're in here today and you just simply need prayer. Listen, we all go through hard times. And it seems like the winter is some of the worst times we can go through. This is when some people are the most depressed. Maybe you are going through a struggle. Maybe you haven't been able to shake off some bad news. You haven't been able to get through a difficulty. Maybe you're tired and lonely and anxious and depressed. If you're able, you can come to this altar and seek help from the Lord. Seek comfort. Find His grace. If you need to be prayed for, I would love to pray with you. If you need to bring a brother or sister down to pray with you at this altar, bring them, grab them and say, I need you to come pray, let's go. Or maybe too, maybe you just feel led to worship. Yes, we can stand at our pew and we can worship God by opening our hymns and looking at the words on a screen and, and sing this last song together. But this altar is not just for people who are dealing with sin and dealing with brokenness. This altar is a place of worship. And it's a place you can come to and just pray your worship out to God. God, thank you for the message. Thank you that you saved my life. However God is calling on you to respond, if he is calling you to come forward into salvation, into repentance, into comfort, into worship, Will you come forward this morning and respond faithfully to the Lord?
Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the message of the cross, but God, we thank you also that you have called us to be messengers of the cross. And so God, I pray today that we would proclaim the testimony of you, that we would point everything back to the cross and we would recognize, God, that we need to be weak. We need to be foolish in order that your spirit can do great things in our lives. God, I pray for the lost person that's in here that needs to find salvation. I pray today they would find that salvation, that they would commit themselves to you today. God, I pray for the, the believer in here that is struggling to share their faith, that's struggling whether it's, whether it's just not being willing to share, God, or, or having those obstacles in the way where they feel weak and they feel insignificant. And God, I pray that you would help them to see that they have a calling and they need to be faithful. God, I pray for the one in here who's hurting, going through a hard time. God, I thank you for them, but God, I, th I pray that you would be with them, comfort them, God, heal them, help them to get through the dark times that they are in. God, I thank you that we can come to you and worship. We can sing praises and we can pray those praises as well. And so, God, I just pray that in this time of response, God, that we would be faithful to respond as you have called us to today. God, we love you. We give you all the glory. And it's in your son's holy and righteous name that I pray. Amen.